Hi everyone, my name is Greg Knight and I like watching, thinking about, and talking about movies. One of the great things about starting your own podcast is that there are some days where you get to actually talk to the creators of those movies. Our series Under the Stole is where you can find those conversations. I've had the opportunity to interview award-winning directors, up-and-coming documentarians, and even a legit Abraham Lincoln historian. So if you are curious about the creative spirit and want to learn more about how artists are inspired to make their passion projects, check out Under the Stole right here on the Popping Collars feed. And I'm Betsy. And this is Going On 30, a popping collar side project where, oh, Betsy, this is the easiest one. We can't handle the truth. No, just threw it up and you knocked it out of the park there. Nice job. (laughs) About movies that were nominated or should have been nominated for Best Picture 30 years ago this month. We're looking at a few good men. Tom Cruise is back, baby. Oh, God. <laughs> Help me. You ever served in an infantry unit, son? No, sir. Ever served in a forward area? No, sir. Ever put your life in another man's hands, ask him to put his life in yours? No, sir. We follow orders, son. We follow orders or people die. It's that simple. Are we clear? Yes, sir. Are we clear? Crystal. All those having business with this general court martial, stand forward and you shall be heard. The facts of the case are these. On midnight of September 6, the accused entered the barracks room of their platoon mate. They woke him up, tied his arms and legs with tape, forced a rag into his throat. A few minutes later, a chemical reaction caused his lungs to begin bleeding. He drowned in his own blood and was pronounced dead at 37 minutes past midnight. Do you think Santiago was murdered? Private Santiago is dead, and that is a tragedy. But he is dead because he had no code. He is dead because he had no honor. And God was watching. How do you feel about that theory? Sounds good to me. I'll knock it all down to involuntary manslaughter. No deal, we're going to court. No, you're not. Why not? Because you'll lose. You want to investigate me? Roll the dice and take your chances. I eat breakfast 300 yards from 4,000 Cubans who were trained to kill me. So don't think for one second you can come down here, flash a badge, and make me nervous. You men follow orders or people die. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth. Son, we live in a world that has walls, and those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's going to do it? You! But if this case is handled in the same fast food, slick-ass, Persian bizarre manner with which you seem to handle everything else, then something's going to get missed. In the heart of the nation's capital, in a courthouse of the United States government, one man will stop at nothing to keep his honor. And one will stop at nothing to find the truth. Uh, Betsy, I have a brief description of this movie. Would you like to hear it? Can't wait. I mean, this time you don't even have to struggle to bring Tom Cruise up. We're going to talk about him. 
<laughs> the whole episode. I just can't imagine how happy you are. I am so ecstatic. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, it just feels like a weight has been lifted off of my shoulders. It actually it's been feels a while. like it feels like our podcast has come back home again oh, to where it, like we were wandering in the wilderness of oh no 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 like no Daniel no. Day Lewis when was the last time we talked about Tom Cruise like when did we what was the last Tom Cruise movie we watched our last Tom Cruise movie was born on the 4th of July okay okay so it's been a bit it's been a bit it's been a bit. It's been a bit. Okay, a brief description of this movie, please. All right, here we go. When oh, I love this description already. When cocky military lawyer, Lieutenant Ugh. Daniel Caffey. So cocky. And his co-counsel, Lieutenant Commander Joanne Galloway, are assigned to a murder case. They just uncover- erased, erased Kevin Pollack from the whole thing. Okay, all right, fine. Go ahead. They uncover a hazing ritual that could implicate high-ranking officials, such as shady Colonel Nathan Jessup. Shady? It's a lot of adjectives. There's adjectives in this. (laughs) That is not a word that I would use to describe. There's a lot of adjectives doing some hard work. Character. Shady? Shady. Salty? Salty girl. Salty. <laughs> Salty is better. But he's more, you know, self-righteous. That's true. I think that shady. Yeah, such as egomaniacal right? Colonel. Yeah, yes. That's much better. Yeah. Please. Okay. I'll have to start rewriting. <laughs> Betsy, what's your history with the movie A Few Good Men? I believe I saw this in the theater. Yeah, probably. I would, now we've gotten the point. What what year? When did this come out? What's the date? Okay, so we are talking about the movies nominated in 1993. So these are the movies came from out 92. Yeah. Okay, so I'm you know junior senior junior senior in high school. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think mm-hmm. I saw this in the movie theater. Yeah, because you know yeah. this would be a popular one. Got a lot of people in it, and oh, you yeah. go see it because you like acting mm-hmm. and writing. Because I've forgotten that this was an Aaron Sorkin joint until right. the credits rolled at the beginning. That's right. So, which now on the other side of watching lots of Aaron Sorkin joints, you're like, oh, now I see. This seemed original at the time. Yeah. yeah. And now it's like, uh, I've I've heard this. You know, this 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 is how a tirade sounds <laughs> on the West Wing. That's right. The tirade sounds here. So, yes, I am not, though, this is not a returner. This is another TBS kind of movie, though, Mm -hmm. that if you came across it, yeah, you're going to see some good performances. Mm -hmm. It's going to be every other, every other scene is going to be like, oh, look, it's it's that guy. Most of them guys. It's that guy. And then, and you're like, oh, okay. And it keeps you pretty engaged. What about you? Uh, So, okay. So we've, we've have established that there was a Tom Cruise library. In my house. Yes. However, was this in it? Oh, no. no. However, not. A Few Good Men was not in the library. So. Too highbrow? Was... Too highbrow? Too hmm. much talking? Not enough race cars and horses? Is What's the deal? I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, I, I really don't know. There was a period 
sort of towards the mid 90s where i think the tom cruise love started to fall away as the scientology got more and more pronounced um and i think in that your house maybe, yeah and i think that maybe there was an this, awareness of tom cruise's scientology in your home oh yeah oh well oh. you know after you know at a certain point right so yeah. i would say like by the time we get to like 94 495 okay, Tom Cruise. Okay. Like, you know, pre-jumping on couches, but post like, you know, being a spokesperson for Scientology. Like So Mission Impossible is Mission Impossible library? No, yeah, Mission Impossible, oh, that's yeah. too late. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not in the mix. So it's really early 90s cruise is what's in there, but this one was like this is where it was starting to phase out, I think. So I came to this movie late, but I will say that what I do remember about this movie was the trailer because they put the famous line. They put, you can't mm-hmm. handle the truth in the trailer. Like that mm-hmm. was a, like, I remember thinking, oh, that's going to be a big deal. And mm-hmm. guess what? It's still a big deal. 30 years mm-hmm. later. Mm-hmm. Great line. Yep. Great line. So um, what are your hot takes, your general thoughts? about the movie a few general thoughts um the dialogue towards demi moore is atrocious (laughs) it is it's so terrible that like if you tried to make this film now tom cruise would look a little bit like an asshole this character it makes him a little less lovable particularly at the beginning of the movie when he's supposed to be you're you're rooting for him. Right. And I'm like, goodness. And then Jack Nicholson. Holy moly. Yeah. Jack Nicholson. Yeah, that, he, t- <laughs> he takes it up a notch. What is your point, Joe? She has no point. She often has no point. So it's part of her charm. We're out of here. Thank you. My point is that I think Code Red still go on down here. Do Code Red still happen on this base? Joe, the colonel doesn't need to answer that. Yes, he does. No, he really doesn't. Yeah, he really does. Colonel. You know, it just hit me. She outranks you, Danny. Yes, sir. I want to tell you something, and listen up, because I really mean this. You're the luckiest man in the world. There is nothing on this earth sexier, believe me, gentlemen, than a woman that you have to salute in the morning. Promote them all, I say. Colonel, the practice of code reds is still condemned by officers on this My problem is I'm a colonel, so I'll just have to go on taking cold showers until they elect some gal president. (laughs) I didn't answer. It was, I was, and the fact that I would have just watched that before, didn't quite remember. I mean, I remember that, you know, and now we can use the word shade, that some shade is thrown upon, that she doesn't get the case, Mm -hmm. that she's a little buttoned up, but... That dialogue does not hold. Yeah, so you're talking about the meeting that they have in Cuba. Yikes. Um, you know, or when she makes like a great point to him and he says, Am I supposed to be sexually aroused? And I'm like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Whoa, Kathy. I would say, like, wasn't it wasn't it around this time, like 92? I mean, I want to say it was like early Clinton when like the whole women in combat 
debate was going on, sure. right, with the military. Well, and the Anita so. Hill stuff had already happened. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that was my other question about this movie: if could this movie be done now, and would it be seen as anti-military, not patriotic? You know, I stand on that wall, and I feel safer. And it was because I guess I hadn't fully thought more about the dialogue that's going on between Pollock and Cruz and more mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and that you've got this. Why do you like them? Why do you not like them? This mm-hmm. kind of pro-military anti-military all by kind of done by people who are in the military. There's something about the, that dedication of the Marines that yeah. makes Cruz and Pollock uncomfortable. And I'm sorry. Right. I'm well, yeah, you follow names. orders. Yeah, you yes. follow orders. But Joe, class. there's something about Joe in her. And I did find that interesting that the female character, and it's not because she needs protecting. And I never get that sense for her. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's another thing. She's never saved in this movie. Right. All these comments just get to stand and mm-hmm. be there. Like no one's rescuing her. Um, the closest she gets is. And please, could somebody give people umbrellas in this movie? I mean, good God, there's so much soaked to the bone. She's just walking around. I'm leaving <laughs> after your drunken blow up. Come get me in your, of course, classic car that you drive. That was probably your dead dad's. Right. And try to the only time they try to save her is to get her out of the rain and get in the car. You know, it could this movie be made now? How would it be received if it was made now? I guess it's been said. Like every war movie, even if it's anti-war, becomes a pro-war movie. Mm. Um, and I think that that can actually sort of expand to the military as well. Like mm. every movie about the military, even if it purports to be anti-military, still kind of comes across as being pro-military mm-hmm. a little bit. Well, I mean, is this is this a movie about the military or is it really about the Marines? You know, about, I mean, even the name is about morals and ethics, right. and like when right. is it and following to orders. question orders? Yeah, following orders. And you know, the name of the movie is "A Few Good Men," right? That's right. the catchphrase for recruiting. We're looking for a few good men mm-hmm. for the Marines. Mm-hmm. It was also interesting to watch this and think about it as a play because yeah. it was originally a play, and. You're kind of deciding, you know, what are some of the set pieces they've added in? You know, where is most of the action happening? Like, yeah. I did find that part also interesting. But, I mean, this movie has got, this is where you get half of your six degrees of Kevin Bacon in it. Like, it's just every other scene has somebody like, oh, it's that person. Yeah. I have uh, a few notes. Okay, what you got? How great is Cruz in this? Just so great, just so charismatic and charming and wonderful. And just you just want to watch him the whole time. Just amazing. He really is a lot of fun in this movie. I know that I'm I'm I know that I'm playing a character who loves Tom Cruise, but I know, but in he all is, honesty, okay. like he's really a lot of fun in this movie. Um he, he it's it so blows my mind. You know, Cruise, he does all this stuff where he's like, I'm going. If my character jumps off of a building, then I'm going to learn how to jump off of a building. If my character flies jets, then I'm going to learn how to fly jets. Like, he does all of this stuff. Shoot, cool, right? Like, he did all of those, 
like right? billiards classes just so that he could not have to be swapped out for a double in color of money. Yeah. Like he's he, he commits himself to the bit and I love that. I do. How I can do. he not get lessons in how to swing a baseball bat? Why does he look like an alien when he's like taking <laughs> batting practice? <laughs> I don't get it. If you jump well, isn't the team, whole thing that their team isn't good? I mean, maybe I think maybe that's a part of it. So if he's so method, me. then maybe maybe he meant to look like garbage. It's oh, just so strange. It's like, <laughs> dude, you you are so in on everything except apparently how to swing a baseball bat. It's just bizarre. Anyway, um, I have one final note. Kevin Pollack may be the unsung hero of this movie. Mm-hmm. He's he's kind of like the calm in the storm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. everything. There's a lot of big acting in this movie, but none of it's coming from Kevin Pollack. Like he's mm-hmm. there to just pull everything back together again, mm-hmm. which is really necessary. I think when mm-hmm. you have like big characters like this movie does. There's also a real kind of wisdom role happening with him it's also something that the, the character feels uniquely jewish as well there's something oh, okay. about that yeah. you know and 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 not in a stereotypical kind of way but just in in a way that you see characters you know especially the friend mm-hmm. in a film you know who's kind of coming in and and being a part of that that moment and he's pushing that old as hell trash baby stroller i felt bad for him you know, doing that. But I enjoyed, you know, since I live here, as our listeners know, right. in the suburbs of Washington, D.C., lots of fun filming all over D.C. action yeah. happening in this, you know, very much. Not like if you watch like St. Almost Fire or something, you'd be like, well, that's that place and that's that place, you know. So you could you can look up the apartments where Kevin Pollock's character lives and there's there they are still in Georgetown. Yeah. You know, or actually, I think he's up. um it's up near the zoo, actually. But yeah, so it's it's great. Um, I think he does a really nice job. I think so, too. Like, Kevin Pollack is kind of a, you know, I think of the, obviously, when you think of, like, the movies of Kevin Pollack, it's this mm-hmm. and it's, like, Usual Suspects, right? Mm-hmm. And in both, he's kind of doing the same thing. Like, he's the guy that's not sort of drawing attention to himself. It makes sense that he goes on to be a poker player later in his career. <laughs> right makes sense there's a lot happening around him a lot of big stuff a lot of you know big Mm -hmm. speeches as a matter of fact betsy i've got five of the best courtroom speeches in oh man right here here in front of me right in front of you all right let's do it (laughs) let's top five courtroom speeches in movies Let's do it. Okay. All right. Is there an honorable mention? Yes, there is an honorable. Are there is there only one honorable mention? There's only one honorable oh, mention. Oh, thank God. Okay. Because it, it actually doesn't take place in the courtroom. It's the phenomenal speeches that appear in Twelve Angry Men. Twelve Angry Men. So you're cheating. Okay, that's fine. I guess it's courtroom adjacent. Courtroom adjacent. Literally okay, right. courtroom adjacent. Literally, literally physically courtroom adjacent. <laughs> Okay, what's number five? <laughs> number five is the speeches from my cousin Vinny. Oh, Go Pesci. 
Uh, I snuck still that feels, one in. Still feel sad that we we missed that film. <laughs> I snuck that one in for your sister so that she. Oh my god! So that Thank she could you. feel vindicated that my That's cousin good. Vinny showed up on our podcast at some. That's point. good, right? Since she couldn't believe we didn't pick that one, <laughs> couldn't believe it. All right, great. All right, number four. Two Utes. Uh, number four is the famous Matthew McConaughey speech from A Time to Kill. Yes. 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 Very good. Um, All right. Number. Number. Uh, so here's my question: Was this movie kind of in the stream of Grisham? Was this was this hot Grisham time? Uh, yeah. So so the firm comes out in ninety. So the book. So A Time to Kill was already out. And mm-hmm. The Firm was the first Grisham movie. And I want to say it came out in like 94. Okay. Yeah. Because, I mean, that was another moment. I was like, oh, yeah. this is, you know, people against it. You know, I'm thinking like Pelican Brief. I'm thinking, you know, mm-hmm. like all that business. This was definitely yep. feeling yep. that vibe. Okay, cool. All right. Number three. Number three. This one's a tough one. Kramer versus Kramer. Oh, so. Yeah. The Meryl Streep speech. Heartbreaker, heartbreaker, real tough. Okay, number two. Number two, we'll lighten the mood with uh, the Reese Witherspoon speech from Legally Blonde. Oh, really good. That's a really yes. good one. That's a really good one. All right, awesome. Okay, number one. Number courtroom speech. It couldn't be any other speech, but Atticus Finch and To Kill a Mockingbird, Gregory Peck. Yep. Beautiful. 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 There we go. Mm-hmm. Top five courtroom speeches <laughs> from movies. Go out and watch all those movies. They're all great movies. Betsy, what is the best scene from A Few Good Men? Mm. I mean, this one's kind of hard because there's like one of the most famous scenes in movie history. I know. I know. And so it's it is hard because you know when we talk about all the different cameos that are in this movie, right? Like another person who I didn't appreciate the first time around was Kiefer Sutherland. Was Dawson's promotion held up because of this last report? I'm sure it was. Do you recall why Dawson was given such a poor grade on this report? I'm sure I don't. I have many men in my charge, Lieutenant. I write many reports. Lieutenant, do you recall an incident? Involving a PFC Curtis Bell who'd been found stealing liquor from the officers' club? Yes, I do. Did you report Private Bell to the proper authorities? I have two books at my bedside, Lieutenant. The Marine Corps Code of Conduct and the King James Bible. The only proper authorities I am aware of are my commanding officer, Colonel Nathan R. Jessup, and the Lord our God. At your request, Lieutenant Kendrick, I can have the record reflect your lack of acknowledgement of this court as a proper authority. Objection. Argumentative. Sustained. Watch yourself, Counselor. Did you report yeah. Private Bell? You want to talk about shady? Yeah. Slimy. But you know. But you know. But he sounds, got, I mean, it sounds like a. I've only got. I've only got two books on my bedside. You know, right. like you know. The King he sounds James like Bible. a MAGA guy a little bit, though. Yes. Right? Yeah. The Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know, that, that, whoo, he yeah. was, he, he was good. So here's the thing. You're right. They use the most famous scene in the trailer. Yeah. You know, it's coming. Mm-hmm. Right. There's, I mean, there's no su- surprise that Jessup is going to come and testify. Right. You know, it's going to happen. 
my heart was still racing. It's it hits every time. I don't know how like many times in I've seen anticipation. This movie. Like the scene hadn't even started, and I knew they're walking into court that morning. She pulls him aside. If he's not going to go for it, if you don't yeah. think he's going to say it, don't go yeah. for it. You know, and when he stops and drinks the water. I, I oh, every time it's so good. It's oh, so good. and I think I appreciated more how Cruz was acting like a jerk. Mm-hmm. Acting like a pompous right. butthead, so mm-hmm. that he would goad him. Mm-hmm. I saw the goading so much more. Yeah. It wasn't about what he said; it was about some of the things that he just didn't say and how he acted and moved around the room, which was mm-hmm. just so good for Chris. I also really miss Jack Nicholson. Yeah. I know he's not gone, but I know he's also very old. Right. He's and not, he's not acting anymore. Either. He's not acting anymore. And I think he is just piercing every hair on his head, you know, buzz perfect. Yeah. The uniform, when he gets all ruffled and they have to restrain him, and the way he's able to pull that down. Mm-hmm. I mean, just here's the thing the indignance, right? Of like, yeah. I'm going back to my base. Like, what you people goodbye i mean here's the thing jack nicholson is like a weirdo artist free thinker beatnik guy right like he is as far removed from colonel jessup in his real life Mm -hmm. as anybody could probably be and you would never know it in this room like he's he's that good and and i gotta say like it it really like I know he does a good job in Batman. I get it. Yeah. But you can sort of see him saying, like, you know, I can act, right? Like, I don't have to be like a cartoon character in a comic yes. book. Story. Like, I can well, do and it's, and it's also by the time we get here, right? Yeah. This is there are plenty of Nicholson knockoffs, Jack Nicholson impression. Even they have Tom Cruise impersonate him. Right. While they're trial prepping, like it's like they're they're naming it so that it doesn't have them, yeah, right. But then it allows him to just go and and I think I had not seen, I I given that whole scene to Nicholson and I I I will acquiesce. Hey. I had not seen what <laughs> Cruz was up to. I did not appreciate it yeah. in the way that I should have. So I, I I now see the the sparring more than just kind of putting him like a rat in a bag yeah. and just letting him destroy himself. That that right. that the Cappy character had to do what the Cappy characters would do. Right. Yeah. And he knows yeah. that he knows that Colonel Jessup's ego is going to take him there. He just has to lay out the breadcrumbs, right? To get mm-hmm. him to get him to go there. But he knows that he'll do it. He just needs to lay out plenty mm-hmm. of bait yeah yeah um it's great um okay we've talked about the most famous scene but i'm gonna go with uh best scene uh tom cruise hitting softballs because <laughs> it's it's just it's the it's the weirdest <laughs> thing in this movie and and it's mesmerizing to watch so if i can't pick the most famous scene which is really the only answer then i'll right. uh then i'll take tom cruise uh hitting softballs and looking weird <laughs> Well, and a little appreciation too here for Kevin Bacon in this film. 
Uh, well, his, you're, his you're leading just, me. Yeah. Am I leading you? Where are we going? You're leading me into my next thing. Best performance. Okay. And that's mine. It's Kevin uh, Bacon. It's Kevin Bacon. In the meantime, I'm going to put the Apostle John Kendrick on the stand. See if we can't have a little fun. All right. I have an obligation to tell you. If you accuse Kendrick or Jessup of any crime without proper evidence, you're going to be subject to a court-martial for professional misconduct, and that's something that's going to be stapled to every job application you ever fill out. Markinson's not going to hold up, Danny. He's a crazy man. Now, I'm not saying this to intimidate you. I'm being your lawyer here. Oh, thanks, Jack. I'm your friend, and I'm telling you, I don't think your clients belong in jail, but I don't get to make that decision. I represent the government of the United States without passion or prejudice. And my client has a case. Now I want you to acknowledge that the judge advocate has made you aware of the possible consequences involved in accusing a Marine officer of a felony without proper evidence. I've been so advised. He is not on screen a ton, but we get a full sense of who this guy is. Absolutely. A full-fledged character. character. A fully fleshed-out character. A guy who understands that he has a job, and that job isn't necessarily what he believes, but it's Mm -hmm. it's what his job is. And and Kevin Bacon just does it amazing. He's so good at it. He's so good at it. And the way he's like, you know, he's trying to explain as... Friendly as possible to Cruz and Moore and Pollock. Like, you're going to lose this case. I don't understand what you're doing. You've got a loser case. Mm-hmm. And they're like, uh, and and it it's it would be so easy for him to be villainous. And he's not villainous. No. He's a really good guy who's yeah. playing the de facto role of villain in this movie. It's just great. But I even don't feel it like that. Like even when he and Cruz have the blow up in the bar mm-hmm. and they tells him he's going to call Jessup. I still think it's a, you know, it's a still like, Hey, we're going to watch the game on Sunday. Like yeah. they're still friends mm-hmm. and, and that sort of thing. And I appreciate that, that it isn't, I think, cause we oft so often are looking for easy answers and who's good, who's bad, and these things. And he's just doing his job. Yeah, and doing it well. Yeah. Yeah. So Kevin Bacon is mine. Is that yours too? Or I mean, Noah Wiley is so convincing as that <laughs> guy who drives the Jeep. I guess, sir. I just, you know, I'm bringing him back and put him down. Uh, what was Dr. Really, Carter? Is that? Yeah, Dr. Carter from <laughs> ER. So James Marshall and Wolfgang Bodison. They play the Marines. Okay. I do think that they are pretty compelling in roles that, that again, not because it's such an ensemble to some extent with obvious leads. Yeah. To kind of go through, especially watching them play off each other, how the youth and naivete and the buy-in, you know, I don't, I don't feel like I'm looking at people who are, because you got to play with the nuance. You can't treat the Marines like the cult, you know, Mm -hmm. that, but that there are, you know, that we buy into where, where in our lives do we buy into codes? Right. Not code reds, but just codes of how we live together Mm -hmm. and what we do with one of them, what we value and that that becomes what keeps us safe and what, and keeps us trusting one another and guides what we do. To, and I guess that my thing was then imagining their life after this, I would have to imagine what they came from. 
and what right. being in the Marines allowed them. And that, that, that they still at the end don't get to have that, even though they were following orders. And it takes us into that deeper ethical issue of what does it mean to just follow that I'm doing what I'm, what I'm told. Right. And that, you know, he had already been punished before for sneaking food. You know, we see them as again, another set of full fledged people. It's a really beautiful, like heartbreaking ending the way that it's written, right? Because they have their freedom, but they don't have, what they perceive as their honor, mm-hmm. you know? And and it's like they did everything right. It's the it's like a perfect lose-lose situation. Because it's like you disobey orders, you're out of the Marines. You obey the orders, the kid ends up dead. There's no way for them to not lose. And there's every way for their commanding officers to get mm-hmm. out of whatever it is. And I think the presence of class and race in this as well that I had also not considered before looking at this with my, you know, 17-year-old white privilege at Squarely On, the idea that what we're looking at is three white commanding officers involved in a cover-up of a Marine of color, Santiago, Mm -hmm. and then with a a Marine of color hoping for promotion mm-hmm. and then a, a guy who they kind of portray as a bit of a yokel, yep. you know, with aunt Jenny and, you know, and he's from wherever, you know, who's kind of coming from nothing. Yep. And, you know, the, the, this white poor, poorer person potentially. Right. And that they end up becoming the, the, the victims of the whole thing. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. That's it's really well written. This is a really good script. I can. It is well. And have we haven't even mentioned that Aaron Sorkin is in the movie? <laughs> oh, he is. He I, is I missed him. He is. He is in a bar scene, chatting. The camera's on him a touch too long, and you're like, "Oh, okay, I got it." Oh, there, okay. sorry. As they're drifting down the bar, and he's talking with another woman about a case. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's he's not right. Uniform, uh, yeah, I did. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. There too. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, Betsy, I've got some stats about the movie. Stats, 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 stats. A Few Good Men opened on December 11th, 1992. Oh, criminal yeah. movie. Yeah, so they kind of knew Monica. what they had. Yeah, Monica holiday film, mm-hmm. but not set in Christmas time. No, no. But I, I imagine that a they, Christmas light. I imagine they had this movie and they were like, you know what? I think we could get a nomination out of this. And so they I think that, yeah. it for the December. Yeah. Yeah. This day in 90210. It was season three, episode 16, entitled It's a Totally Happening Life. Does that happening have a G on it or is it just happening it does have with a an G. apostrophe? It's a totally uh, happening life. Okay, what's happening? Brenda, Dylan, and Kelly volunteer for the same charity project. And Brandon and Andrea consider getting together. Ooh. Never never going to happen. Never going to happen. <laughs> Just the worst will they, won't they ever. I gotta, so then, they I gotta to, think. then they have to bring on a 30-year-old actor to eventually impregnate her and be her baby daddy. So the husband. title is It's a Totally Happening Life. So that's a play on It's a Wonderful Life. Wonderful so is, Life. 
this was their Christmas episode. I wonder if this was a dream sequence, Brandon and Andrew. Oh, no. oh, I have a vague memory of that. Maybe, maybe. And oh, and is there some like love triangle friction at the charity thing? I mean, that's my and, other uh, guess. Dylan and Kelly volunteer for the same charity. Right. It kind of sounds like it, right? We're heading into sounds that like Dylan it. Kelly tryst. I think, yeah. Right. Poor Donald, not in this episode. That's right. Uh, a few good men had a domestic gross of one hundred and forty-one million dollars. Wow, making That's not it bad. The, yeah, really good. Making it the number five grossing movie of nineteen ninety-two. Wow. wow, it was the number four hundred and thirty-eighth top grossing movie of all time. Between okay, okay so you got a few good men that comes between. Uh-huh. Pocahontas on one side. Oh, no. Okay. Disney animated classic Pocahontas. Color of the Wind? Isn't that the, what's the? So classic that they have no Pocahontas representation at any of their Disney parks. I don't know. Uh, So you get Pocahontas, A Few Good Men, and then Slumdog Millionaire. Slumdog Millionaire. Oh, wow. I forget when we get into like the. Well, we're not in the thousands. That's right. It's like actual real movies. Yeah, it's it's movies that I don't have to describe the plot of. It's not like the Toxic Avenger or whatever. Right. I mean, still quality in, in different ways. So um, flirt, well, okay. flirt, Mary kill. I think I'm going to flirt with with that youthful energy of Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah, it's a good movie. So good, such a good movie. Danny Boyle, right? Yeah, Danny Boyle. It's just, like, it's just oh, so good. Um, uh, Dev uh, Dev Patel. Dev Patel. Who, so Dev Patel, who uh, honestly was in the Green Knight, one of my favorite movies of last year, and should be the next James Bond, I think. But ooh, yeah. Oh, is that in the conversation? I think it's in the conversation. Yeah, that's but. pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think I'm going to that. I'm going to have to. I'm going to just going to say I'm going to murder. Mel Gibson is John Smith. Yeah. And then I'm going to marry a few good men. It's the only answer. I'm with you about that. I, I don't know what to do, flirt. but I don't want to say I'm going to kill Pocahontas. Like yeah. So. Flirt, some dog millionaire, marry a few good men. And do to Pocahontas what the Disney Corporation apparently has done to Pocahontas. Lock it away. <laughs> Lock it away in the vault. Nope. Lock it up. Just in Lock there with song, song of the South. Yeah. In there. S- sit over there with Song of the South. Oh, man. oh Christian um, Bale is in it. I totally forgot about this. Okay. Yeah, it's a shame. Pocahontas actually has really good songs. Um, it I stand, does. I stand by the music of Pocahontas. It's really good. Uh, a Few Good Men has an 84% on Rotten Tomatoes. Does that feel low? Yeah, that feels low. That feels low to me. What do you think? Is that about Scientology? Well. I'll tell you who helped contribute to that 84%. Oh, yeah? Who's that? Our good man, Raj. Oh, what does Raj say about this? Roger Ebert says, A Few Good Men is one of those movies that tells you what it's going to do, does it, and then tells you what it did. Two and a half out of four stars. Wow. Yeah. This has got to be, like, the lowest ranking for a Rob Reiner movie he's ever I don't know Raj what Raj likes heart. I, I, he likes heart. He likes I, story, and this has a good story. Like I don't, I don't know what Roger was. Here's what I'm wondering too, though. Now I want to know 
how we rate Aaron Sorkin products. Because I'm wondering whether it's an Aaron Sorkin issue for him. Maybe. I mean, yeah. So he's, what is it? Tells you what it's going to do, does it, and then tells you what it did. That sounds like he's criticizing the script. Yeah. Right. That it's just too much talky talk. Yeah. Too much going on. We don't like that. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't like this new fangled where we're going with the writing stuff. Yeah. Um, I do not have a review from Janet Maslin. Could not oh, find Janet. one on the internet at all. So instead, I have a review from Rita Kimpley, yeah. who wrote this review for the Washington Post. Yay! What There you go. She says, it's a grand undertaking that wrangles with the heavy questions that cropped up at Nuremberg and Mylai. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. questions that deserve and get lots of imposing shots of monuments and not a little swashbuckling from the big stars i mean okay she's not wrong i mean she's not wrong she described she's the also movie. not she's not <laughs> she told you what it is and it is what it is uh so that's rita kimpley's okay how did it do with the oscars it had no wins at the oscar how many nominations i have not looked this up uh, in addition to Best Picture, which it was yes. nominated for, it had three, many more? Other, okay. three other nominations. Uh, All season. right, so I'm going to go Jack Nicholson Supporting. Yes. Best uh, okay. Supporting Actor. Yes. No okay. category fraud this time. They could have run him in Best Actor, I think, but I don't know. Mm. The best, um, best Screenplay? Adapted Screenplay? No. No, Ooh. no love for Aaron Sorkin. Okay, okay. Did Cruz get nominated? Cruz did not get. Oh! Cruz got oh. nominated for Born on the Fourth of July. Probably his best shot outside of Harry Maguire. I would agree. He's yeah. still when he descends into when he's too pretty. People don't. People don't. Well, now it's over. Now he's you know. He's just yeah. he's playing well, the he's Paul just, Newman role. Right. He's just giving back gun. he's giving back awards now. Yeah. Okay, so let's see. What other so okay, you got so two I've, more. They are they are technical awards. Okay, all right. Is one of them I don't know which one's more. I don't think it's I don't think it's sound. Is it film editing? Uh best film editing is one of them. Okay, great. Because I'm thinking like the cutting back and forth and when you have a really de- well done courtroom scene, this person, that person, like you have to kind of. But you may not want to second guess yourself for the other one. It was sound. Yes, best sound. Um, maybe because of all I... the rain. Maybe because all the rain. They, <laughs> <laughs> they had to really work around that rain. Maybe, maybe the... I don't know. I tend to think about that as more like you know the bullet whizzes by, or you know yeah. that sort. Of thing, maybe, yeah. but yeah, this but is maybe. A... This is also, we are moving into a time when these sound categories are going to change soon, aren't they? Yes. Sound to sound effects editing, right? Mm -hmm. So we're going to start getting a little diversity here. So I need to kind of push my 2023 mentality out of the way to remember. Okay, got it. All right, cool. Hey, I did pretty good on that. Yeah, you did great. Um, Maybe best sound because of the ping of the bat has... uh... (laughs) <laughs> oh no that bethesda team is gonna win uh, it's too bad too bad for him i also couldn't right. figure out 
Was it a baseball team? It was like some sort of DC I, and a mural I it was situation. Softball. I was kept it going a, back and it, forth. Was it a military? Like, because like I will say, I played in a DC softball league. I played for the Washington Post when I worked there. Yeah, you know, we played other. Who did we play? I don't think we played like the Washington Times, but I feel like it was a media league. Like we played other like radio stations. Like I feel like it was like that. So I'm not quite sure. Because his group feels like it's work-based. Yeah. Adult kickball then became a big deal. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> there you go. If Lieutenant Kendrick gave an order that Santiago wasn't to be touched, then why did he have to be transferred? Colonel, Lieutenant Kendrick ordered the code red, didn't he? Because that's what you told Lieutenant Kendrick to do. Object! And when it went bad, be you cut time. these guys loose! Your Honor, you had Marcus inside a phony transfer. Your Honor, you doctored the logbook. Damn it, Captain! You coerced the doctor. Consider yourself in contempt. You. Colonel Jessup, did you order the code red? You don't have to answer that question. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled to You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Son, we live in a world that has walls, and those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's going to do it? You? You, Lieutenant Weinberg? I have a greater responsibility than you can possibly fathom. You weep for Santiago, and you curse the Marines. You have that luxury. You have the luxury of not knowing what I know, that Santiago's death, while tragic, probably saved lives. And my existence, while grotesque and incomprehensible to you, saves lives. You don't want the truth because deep down in places you don't talk about at parties. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. We use words like honor, code, loyalty. We use these words as the backbone of a life spent defending something. You use them as a punchline. I have neither the time nor the inclination to explain myself to a man who rises and sleeps under the blanket of the very freedom that I provide and then questions the manner in which I provide it. I would rather you just said thank you and went on your way. Otherwise, I suggest you pick up a weapon and stand a post. Either way, I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. Um, okay, let's talk about the lasting legacy of this movie. We've actually hit on a lot of this. I had forgotten that this is what I wrote. I wrote military and power, and we've yeah. we've talked a lot about it. Um, but I did kind of want to think of so we had the long conversation about the Marines, but mm-hmm. do you feel like there's a dehumanizing nature to the military system? Like, because at the core of this movie is a question about ethics. But, like, ethics require you to be able to make human choices, and that doesn't strike me as a military ideal. Because what was the order? It was the unit. Right. The core, the country, and God. Was that what it was? Something like that. Something like that. So that idea of the unit, I do think when you're thinking about yourself as a unit, there is a flattening of humanity there. I mean, that you're assuming that everybody is at a level they need to be at. And the issue was that Santiago was not able to be at that level so that he became, you know, a weak spot in the armor of the unit. Right. And so if he's not able to be that, we're either training him up or transferring him out. Right. Right. Um, So I do think that there is, an element of dehumanization, but I think is the movie saying you can't take that out of people. 
it's 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 not possible well, in the way that he's sneaking him the food and will humanity in the end prevail right over the idea of inhuman inhumanity yeah i think that that's where i settled on is that the system doesn't allow you to think ethically like mm-hmm. it just doesn't have room for it and i think it it's because of because at its core it has two things in place at least these are the two things that when i talk to veterans they're the things that get emphasized to me which is i fight for the brothers that are beside me mm-hmm. right so it's this it's this like i don't care about what the objective of the war is or the goal or anything like that i care about the person who i was in basic with and i've gone come up through this unit with and all of that and I don't want them to die and so I'm going to do my job so that they don't die you know that kind mm-hmm. of thing right but then it's about survival it's about like if you don't follow the orders then the chance then there is a chance that you don't survive I think that those two things will override any questions that you have about orders that you're given by your superiors because I think it's almost not even the concern that you're going to die. It's that someone else is going to die. Yeah, yeah. Because you're so concerned about the other people. Right. Um, I also wondered about the placement. I agree with you. I wonder about the placement of this film as being in Guantanamo. And this is before, of mm-hmm. course, we know Guantanamo for other reasons. It was first produced on Broadway in 1989. So we're talking about when they make the 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 say this is peacetime yeah you know and this is kind of what we're up to in peacetime and it does feel like there's some legacies some cold war legacy stuff that he's also kind of trying to yeah this is the inherited generation the the folks who fought in vietnam are now at the top of the echelons of power and what does that mean about how we structure military when we don't have something we're actively fighting yeah. Like even the details about the mirror person who is his mirror person who's Cuban. And, you know, and as Jack Nicholson says, and Tom Cruise imitates, I've got, you know, 4,000 Cuban, you know, trained over there to kill me or whatever it is, yeah. you know, that how do we still create, maintain enemies, mm-hmm. even in times that where there isn't something that's actively happening? Yeah. And I also wonder, so so along with this question of ethics is the shadow side of that, which is like, I wonder when you make the crossover to authoritarianism, Mm -hmm. right? Like Jessup, Mm -hmm. like at what point does he become that guy? You know, when do you have the amount of power that you feel like you are untouchable, even in a courtroom? You know, Mm -hmm. I just, Mm -hmm. I'm not quite sure when that happens. Like, is this like, is this something that he's always had and it's driven him to this position? Or is this something that, you know, as he acquired rank, he also acquires this sort of authoritarianism? Yeah, that's interesting. Seems though that this system, it would be a haven for someone who thought that way who thought like, oh, it's my way, my way or everyone dies. You know, I don't know. Yeah. 
No, now I have to admit I've now gone down a wormhole looking at the Wikipedia page for the play. And um, it looks like there was a revival of it in 2005 and Rob Lowe oh. played the Cappy character because, of course, he's ageless. Yeah. Right. But then in the original staging of it, um, Tom, I don't know how to say it, Hulse, I don't know how to say his last name, who starred in Amadeus as Mozart. Oh, okay. Yeah. Played the young Cappy in 1989, which I could see that yeah. a little bit. You know, it's a, I thought that was interesting. I wonder whether he tried to audition for the movie. Okay, I got one last note about military okay. and power, and that okay. is looking at this movie now, 30 years removed. Mm-hmm. Like we said before, the Kiefer Sutherland character, there are some echoes of that in a lot of like. Mm. militia talk you know um, i mean some january 6th stuff, some january 6th some, boys some law enforcement a little bit yeah, right as yep, military yeah. tactics and equipment kind of infiltrate law enforcement i yes. just wonder if like this military structure is actually more prevalent in systems that sort of try to attempt to maintain control than think, they were 30 I, yeah. years ago I thought about that as well, that the the systemic quality of what we're talking about here, because they're trying to touch on it. Why do we do what we do? Yeah. We're doing it for you. Right. Even though you didn't ask us to, mm-hmm. we are. And we're keeping you safe at home. We're keeping by... you safe at home. You yeah. want me on that wall. Mm-hmm. Like that sort of idea and play that out across lots of different uniforms across time. That that becomes a really interesting conversation, right? I think, right? Because you know, Adolf Hitler says, "I'm doing this for my love for the German people," yeah. right? Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's heartbreaking. It's it just it just feels like a lesson that we never learn, and it feels like it continues to escalate. You know, as as we have systems that require order. More and more, mm-hmm. we stop thinking ethically, and we think in terms of authority and fear. orders. Yeah, yeah, and and that it's about fear. You yeah. need me to protect you. Well, oh well, that means I need protecting. That means I'm in danger. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think there's a lot of dark stuff. I mean, this is a fun mm-hmm. movie. Like, this is not a dark movie at all. But I think there's no. a lot of dark legacies that kind of come from this movie. Well, and I think that Sorkin has shown, I mean, you know, maybe Raj would disagree, that he's willing to leave you in the ambiguity. Yeah. Even though they try to wrap it up with, you know, a strong jawline and a good salute, you know, and that somehow Cruz has conquered the, you know, the ghost of his father and and you know now he's gonna go on. He's not gonna be. You know, are you? Everything's going to trial now, baby. Like, let's go. You know that you can imagine like a scene at the end where it's like flashing into the future, while he and the ba- he and the softball team are playing Bethesda. <laughs> that'll say, you know, Joanne went on to bloody blah. <laughs> you know, and you can also imagine someone as bad or worse than Colonel Jessup to, taking over that command, you know. For sure. So, who is this movie for, Betsy? It's the number five grossing movie of 1992. So it was for a lot of people, I think. 
I think there's an element of it that is that is for boomers. Okay. But it's also, I think about Sorkin himself, right? He's born in 1961. Mm-hmm. What is he trying to process as the writer of the, the creator of the content? Uh, right. Do you think there's yeah. a little bit of like Caffey's journey where he's trying to live up to the legacy of what's come before him? A little bit. Of that. I think there's a little bit of that. Uh, and we all love that story. I mean, it's hard when you put Cruz in something. It becomes something otherworldly, right? Right. It's, a cruise movie, it's hard. Yeah. It's, it's in for everybody. It's everybody <laughs> from small toddlers to old grandmas and everyone in between. And that's you know, I, I mean, he's just a marketer's wet dream. Yeah. Right. People love him, mm-hmm. and so it's hard because it then transforms the movie for who is this for? Right. With a Christmas release, I think it's. I guess for people who love dialogue, people who love a good speech, mm-hmm. can, can can dissect a good rant, who want some good verbal sparring. Yeah, yeah, totally. I don't know. I find it, I think it's a cross-section. I think it's a cross-section of Cruz fans, yep. Nicholson fans. True. Reiner fans, maybe. Oh maybe. no, I feel like he's the the least prominent of that. Group, yeah, in a way. And then it, what you're um, putting your finger on, which is courtroom drama fans. I mean, just yeah. think of like how many Perry Mason, Matlock, oh, you know, stuff was floating around at this time, and that we're in a golden age. Yeah, that I think kind of goes up to kind of the Brockovich. I mean, I'm trying to think of recent courtroom stuff aside from our love of like svu or anything that gets us into you know a courtroom uh there's a great podcast called that's messed up that i listen to and they they will always talk about when they have a guest on who gets to like go off in a courtroom like that is on the bingo card for for a courtroom show when you get to be the person who loses their mind on the stand (laughs) that's like gold yeah. On a court. So I think that I think we do. We love that. And there's something about that. That's a little timeless. Yeah. And also really justice. I mean, there's an element here of justice. Yeah. That happens. It is a mix because justice is not clean. Not at all. But, you know, we do get to see the people who are responsible. But I, I then sadly agree with your point. Who's rolling in next? Who also has drinking the code red Kool-Aid, right. which I think actually might be a Kool-Aid. Actually, I think that's a game. Code Red. Gatorade. <laughs> I think Code Red is oh, a drink yeah. flavor somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Code Red. Yeah. Even though it was any good cult watcher, I know it was flavor aid. Don't write into uh, us and tell me. My, anyway. my, my Kool Aid man morphed into my Randy Savage impression. That's good. Which I think you could do a Kool Aid man slash Jack Nicholson impression. And that would be pretty awesome. <laughs> nice. uh, what is your rating for this movie, Alpha? I'm giving it a four. Hey, nice. I'm giving it a four. It's my first since since I was in on the crying game episode. Yeah, so you were giving. I, you know, this you is my first reading. Four point five as your. <laughs> was I? Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. Great. So if you I don't know how well that's going to gel in the long stretch here of the season, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, I am totally with you. Four out of five for me as well. Four out of five. Uh, yeah. I wrote this movie's great. No notes. <laughs> so, 
Yeah. Aaron Sorkin will be will be happy. Um, why do you think the Academy nominated this? This is kind of a it's kind of a crowd pleaser. It's not absolutely. This feels a, almost a little too crowd pleasy. Yeah, it feels a little too crowd pleasy for the Academy. Yeah. So I think so. If we're talking about the pedigree of the movie, Rob Reiner. So uh, wait. So we nominated Misery. Wait, <laughs> we did. Did we nominate Misery? Yeah, we nominated yeah, Misery, we and we nominated When Harry Met Sally. Yep. Yep. We are big fans of Rob Reiner. <laughs> um, let's see. It's not like we're you know giving him something for all of his work, right? Because I mean, he really spinal tap. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like Princess I mean, Bride. It, they're all he good is, movies. Like he's he's on a sure, heater. Like, yeah, yeah, he's he got, is, a, but he is a he is a he is a crowd pleaser, and I do not say that in any sort of way to demean the artistic yeah merit of any Rob Reiner project. So you're right. I I feel like especially when we're in the area still you know of nominating only five movies i think you've got the pedigree of the people who are in it yeah i think it's Um, performances i think that's right i've started thinking about this question of why did the academy nominate this as Mm -hmm. um in terms of the tv show of the oscars itself absolutely absolutely why did the academy nominate this because they want jack nicholson sitting in the front row at the Oscars with his sunglasses on and his little eyebrow raises and they want to cut to him when with billy crystal or whoever knows in this makes a joke right yes yeah and all the other people that this brings right this is gonna be tom cruise nicole kidman right like let's go right yeah I don't think anyone's thinking about Kevin Pollack, God bless them. But, you know, but I think there's a whole cavalcade of people that show up in this moment. Yeah. By the way, Betsy, we have a new feature, which is, do you think Billy Crystal's jokes about this movie were good in the opening monologue? We don't watch it. We don't listen to them beforehand. We just guess. And then I. What? So do you you think Billy Crystal had good jokes about a few good men? I think because it's Jack, you you got to. I think all right? the jokes were probably about Jack, probably. But probably that's know. my guess. Here's the clip. We'll like see what Billy Crystal says. Love to see Jack right in the front row, man. I love it. Oh no, look at it. I look. You like this, huh? It's sort of Armani meets Jiminy Cricket. I mean, I love Jack. He's sitting right there smiling at me. I feel like a Laker girl. It's unbelievable. But Jack, the glasses, man. You're indoors, the dark glasses. You're indoors. You know why you need it? You're such a big star. Your own luster gets in your eyes. That's how big you are, man. You should have a number three on the back of your tux. You're Babe Ruth to me. I mean that. See, now, once the nominations come out, Jack, this is Jack's 10th nomination. It ties in with Sir Lawrence Olivier and Betty Davis. 10, babe. Now... All right. We did it. A few good men in the books. Uh, Betsy, what did Emily have to say about A Few Good Men? I, I, we were supposed to talk today, and we didn't. I feel bad. Oh, no. I bet I'll have to, I'll have to ask her about it and report it. I, I mean, it's it. I think she also would have fallen prey to the TBS reviewing, yeah. like rewatch, because we're in the same household. That's you know. right. 
we got to sit through these commercials so that we can see the you can't right. handle. And the then we would have then we would have watched because I'm thinking about when did we really sit down with you like I'm home from college. Like right. it comes on two years later. Very good. So uh, what's next? What's next? Well, first, before I get to what's next, let Whee! me just say if you want to make your vo- voice heard, yes. email us at poppingcollegepodcast at gmail.com with your thoughts, and maybe we'll read them on the show. Next up is oh boy, probably the most Oscar-y movie yeah. that we'll will have seen to this point. Howard's End is oh. our next movie. Pinkies up, everybody. If you Let's think of what go. an Oscar movie is, it's this movie. This is the movie you're thinking of. Howard's it end. Is. It is. It's it falls into some of the cliches. Wow. Of wow. What, what, uh, but, no. you know, Helena Bonham Carter. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited. I've, I don't think I've watched this. I've never seen it. I, I know oh, about reputation. Great. I know it by reputation. I'm prepared to turn on my closed captioning because I have trouble with English accents. Sometimes. Okay, come on. This is not like a Cockney situation. This is not like Love Island and everybody's from Essex or something. Like So yes. Howard's End is our next movie for next month. Uh, Betsy, awesome. thank you for taking a quick trip down to Cuba with me. Mm-hmm. You may want to pay attention if you're planning to check out that wall over there. You may want to mm. back up a step or two. Well, I'm just I'm just hoping I'm provided with uh, a flak jacket that is in camo. That's right. Because I only wear white yeah. all the time. Just so everybody yeah, You knows. may want to cover up those whites. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll see you next time. Bye.